0: good morning. Uh, welcome to the Passage West Baptist service this morning. Again, we are live uh, in my living room. It was funny, you know, as I was thinking of uh, the service last Sunday, um, it kind of reminded me of one of those uh, Marvel movies, you know, um, maybe not as exciting, but at the end of the Marvel movies, you have them finished, and then you have the credits, and then there's like this extra little bit at the end. And so, um, That's what we had in our service. We had finished, the credit came up, and you could still hear um, myself and Steve kind of talking in the background, um, which was a little bit embarrassing. But it got me thinking um, as we are doing this and as I'm looking at a camera, it got me thinking myself, um, is, is what people see on camera the reality in my own life? Is what is portrayed on camera what is real in my own life? The passion I have for Jesus here, is it real in my own life? And that is the fear for every Christian, that we would not be hypocrites in what we say and do. That we want to be real and genuinely worshipping the Lord. And I think that's what I want for us in, in Passage West too that we would be real people. Genuinely following after Jesus and worshipping him with our whole hearts. And so this morning as we think of true and genuine worship, I'm reminded of the words of Jesus to the Pharisees. He said to them in Matthew 15 verse 7, he said, You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honours me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And so this morning, as we sing and as we worship together, even online uh, together, my hope and my prayer is that we would not just worship with our lips and our hearts be far from him. No, that we would worship with genuine hearts unto God. And so you might be feeling, well, this morning my heart isn't genuine. And if I do worship, it would just be hypocrisy. Well, you could pray the prayer that David prayed in Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And that could be our prayer this morning. That would ask the Lord to create in us a clean heart so we worship him in spirit and in truth. And so this morning, if you're joining, maybe, maybe you're not a Christian and maybe one of the things that frustrated you about or frustrates you about Christianity is it seems like Christians don't practice what they preach. And so I want you to hear this morning that it is our desire to worship in spirit and in truth. And we as Christians never, ever want to say that we are perfect people, but we do worship a perfect Savior who forgives us of all of our sin. So we come this morning in worship to him. I would like to welcome you all. I'm sure there's some of you watching uh, from different places. I know there's some right now watching on YouTube and maybe there's some right now watching on the website and also um, on Facebook Live, which is kind of our main place. But just to let you know, we have the chat open on YouTube as well and Facebook Live, so at the end, there will be opportunity for reflections, um, for prayers, to share verses, and so I would just ask you again, let's engage, let's say hello to everybody, let's know that you're here, let us know who you're watching with and where you're watching from. Um, let us know all those things. We really would like to know uh, that you're there and that is encouraging for us to know that there's uh, people partaking. And even if you're visiting this morning, maybe you're um, visiting in uh, from another church. Usually you worship with your own church on Sunday morning and we'd encourage that. But maybe you're visiting with us this morning and and you are welcome and we are glad uh, that you are here. So let me explain how the service is going to go again. After this, we will have a reading. Johnny is going to do the reading uh, for us from, from Two Kings. And then Abby and Andrew will lead us in a song by Faith. And then Brendan is going to lead us in our second part in this series, People That Jesus Met. Let us be worshippers of Jesus, not just with our lips, but with our hearts also. Let us now turn to our reading.
1: A reading from 2 Kings 5, uh, 1-15. Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master, highly regarded, because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means go, the king of Abrams replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, with this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard Israel had torn his robes, he sent him with this message, Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent the messenger to say to him, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot, and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and are the rivers of the Dem- better and all the waters of Israel, couldn't I wash in them, and be cleansed? So he turned, and went off in rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then, when he tells you what can be cleansed? So he went in and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored, and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman, and all his attendants, went back to the man of God, stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel, so please accept a gift from your servant. The reading from Two Kings five, one to fifteen.
2: It's a
3: Good morning everyone. I'm in a different location this morning because I want to be uninterrupted. It's a little bit like what Jesus was when I mentioned last week about the man who was healed by Jesus of his leprosy. And Jesus gave him one command it was, um, don't tell anybody. Make sure that you are, just keep it quiet because I need time to teach about the kingdom of God. People will come for miracles and to be healed, but there's something more important, and that's to teach about the kingdom of God. And the, the reason I mentioned about the interruptions is this is my third attempt at recording it this morning. Um, I have yeah been interrupted by dogs barking, by phone calls, by people knocking on the door, so this is it. Finally, hopefully this time it'll be right, and we'll be able to, to get through the sermon fully. Um I'm sure at times you've sat down to do things important as well uh, and and you just constant interruptions. That was Jesus' life. People came with what they thought was the most important thing, and yet for Jesus, the most important thing was how to be saved, how to be right with God. Jesus was becoming known, and his teachings were certainly well worth considering, but the miracles were being reported and if you and I were alive back then, we would want to see the miracles as well we'd say. Well, I want to see uh, something spectacular, because what's seldom seen is wonderful. And so last week we learned about the the leper, and he wanted to tell about what Jesus had done for him. But I want to read about something somewhat different this morning, and it's from Matthew chapter 8, reading from verse 5 down to verse 13. It's the story of a centurion. A centurion was a, a Roman soldier Who had a hundred men under him. So Matthew chapter eight, verse five to thirteen. And it says, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, My servant is at home, paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word. And my servant will be healed, for I myself am a man under authority, with hold yours on me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished, and he said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith I will say to you that many will come from the east and the west and take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the dark where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, Go. It will be done just as you believed it would. And the servant was healed from that very hour. And may the Lord bless the study and the... Application of his word. Let's just take a moment to pray. Gracious God, I praise you that this account of Jesus healing that man is true. It is not a fable. It is not simply a good moral teaching. It is the story of the work of God. But it goes far deeper than that, Lord God, for it teaches us about salvation. It teaches the faith that the Lord God Almighty requires of us. Help us as we study it this morning to understand it. Thank you, Lord. For this precious gift your word amen and as i said jesus was becoming known this man had heard of him and he wanted jesus to to heal his servant because he cared about this servant and let's face it if you and i were there we'd want to see miraculous things as well but i want to point out three things this morning about this man firstly he had a, a true need For the centurion, um, he was a very special servant to the man, a very special man. He appreciated him for who he is, and we we can read about the the same passage in Luke chapter 7. It tells the same story, and and it tells us back then that the centurion really loved the people of God, and we'll see why in, in just a minute. But being a centurion, he had many who served under him. He had soldiers and he had servants and he had learned by experience that not everyone can be totally relied on some can be trusted more than others and you and i know that from life ourselves that some people have proved themselves worthy of trust others are unreliable but if you get someone who is true to their word it is a wonderful thing to say i can depend on that man or woman they have committed themselves to their word and i know it will be done And he said to Jesus, I have people under me, I can say to this soldier, do this, and he has to do it. And that one, do that, and he has to do it. And Jesus, I believe that if you even speak a word like that, it will happen. Because all things are under your authority, even healing. He knew the value of a man or a woman who could be trusted. He knew that their position was simply to serve their master without question and do it simply because they were told to do it. And it was about respecting the wisdom of the master in this case, of of not presuming that the servant knew better, but rather putting their own ideas second for the for the servant and the master's ideas as being first. And it was why this man valued him so much. And the reality is that a good servant is one who has an attitude of, it's not about me It is about how can I best serve my master. And the centurion above anyone seemed to understand the relationship of a servant and master. He had a really good servant and the servant was good to the master. But in turn, the centurion valued his servant so much that he was a very good master to him and he cared about him. He cared about his staff. And before Paul ever wrote any of his letters on slaves and masters or or servants and masters in Timothy and in Ephesians, this centurion, who was a Gentile, seemed to appreciate what was right in those areas. Perhaps it was a God-given revelation to him, but he had that instinct that this is how I should treat my servant. And now this precious servant, whom he valued very, very much, was dying. And in a day when medical care was so much poorer than it is now, and we, thank God, live and we're living through times of great medical need and great medical care, but there was nothing this man could do, absolutely nothing. There were no antibiotics then that we know of. There was no healing. Perhaps they had potions and things, but really they had nothing. When this man was dying, he was in the hands of God. But then Jesus came to town. Jesus came to town and said, problem solved. Jesus can do anything. He can make the man better. And that's how it would appear to us. But there was still one problem for the centurion. You see, he was a Gentile. He was not a Jew. And he was conscious of his position as a Gentile. He wasn't allowed worship with God's people. He couldn't enter the temple. He wasn't even allowed to eat with him, with them because they wouldn't eat with him. As far as the Jew concerned, he was unclean. He had no part in the people of God, and no hope of ever being part of the people of God. And he was longing to be with them, because as Luke tells us, the elders of the Jews came to Jesus, and they pleaded earnestly with Jesus. Jesus, this man deserves to have you help him, because he's built our synagogue, he's given it out of his own money, and he loves our nation. He cares about God's people. Please, Jesus, help him. He wanted to be among God's people. And yet he couldn't be, at least not by birth, not by descent. He was such a good man that they appreciated him. He was a man of true need, but secondly, he was a man of true faith, and that is that is what makes him among the people of God, as we'll see. Because he would have basically come to Jesus, and let, let's let's say he would have said, "I've heard about you, Jesus. I've heard of your teaching, and it's excellent. You teach in accordance." With the scriptures that I've read. It is trustworthy and it's good, and you speak with authority and you speak consistently, and even the most simple people, those who even cannot read and write, can understand your teaching. It is wonderful, Jesus. And I've been told about your ability to heal, and that is why I've come to you. It's been tested and shown to be true, but above all, Lord Jesus, I have heard of your character. I have heard that your life is lived in keeping with your teaching. You treat people well, and that is what I most admire about you. And he says, I look at myself, I look at myself, and I'm not worthy to be in your presence. I know you can't enter my house. You're a Jew, and you're not allowed to enter. But I know one thing about you. What I've heard of your teaching, what I've heard of your healing, all it takes is one word from you. And my precious servant will be healed with one word. What was it that this man believed? What was it that that he understood? Well, he would have understood that the God of Israel is not a God who serves us. He is not there to be bribed. He is not there to be coaxed or manipulated into doing things. Rather, the God of Israel, the Lord God, is to be served. He is to be honoured and worshipped rather than a God that I grew up with, he's thinking, who I can coax into doing things for me. And he would have thought, I look at myself and I realise I am not a good man. And I'm unworthy to be in the presence of this this God. I'm unworthy to be in the presence of this man of God, Jesus. He probably didn't realise that Jesus is the Son of God at that stage. But he knew Jesus was a man of God. And he would have said, I look at you, Jesus, and I look at the demands on your life, and I realize that you have so much drain on your, on your very life, and I'm unworthy, and I know you have more important things to do, but please, Jesus, I beg you, heal this man, not for my sake, but because he's a good man. Please, Lord Jesus, do this. And I believe all it takes is one word from you, and it will be done. And you, you think about the upbringing that this man had, this Gentile. He grew up uh, outside the, the land of Israel and he entered this land as a centurion with a with a, an army that was leading and, and dominating the country. And then he came across these people who talked about their God, talked about their beliefs. And he got to see what, the way they lived. And he, he read about the... The, the laws of God perhaps, he was given a copy of the scriptures and maybe he saw in those scriptures he would have read the stories of, of the people of Israel, he would have read the stories of them being being rescued from from Egypt and then he would have come across the Ten Commandments and he would have looked and he would have said, well, let's see what these commandments, these laws are that this God has given his people. You shall not murder. Well, that's that's reasonable you shall not commit adultery that's a big improvement on what i grew up with because where i grew up with immorality was rampant you shall not steal that that's important that should be in any law he would have you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor these these laws make sense he was thinking this god these people and this god it makes sense and the more he would have learned about them he would have been attracted to follow this god the, and, and be among the people of God. And he would have read through the scriptures and thought, this God, he is worth knowing. He is worth studying, worth understanding. I believe he is the true God. Because he would have realised that this God is a God who desires true fellowship with men. He is a, a God who, though he is infinitely holy and incredibly terrifying in his glory, here is a God who desires humility among his people who desires that they should trust him and long for him with all their heart and soul. And as a result, this man, this centurion, had come to understand what God desired of his people. And he lived himself with humility. He didn't go commanding Jesus. He didn't go ordering people around. He realized these people follow the true God and I want to be among these people. He is a God who lives with the meek and the lowly. And although he probably wouldn't have seen it in himself, he was a man who had learned what true faith is before it was ever explained. It was love for God and complete trust in him. And probably he had come across the story of Naaman that we've already heard. Naaman was a Syrian uh, commander, and like the centurion, he was a foreigner among the people of God. He was arrogant. He felt that when he went to get healing, he thought, well... The the man of God, he should come out, wave his hand over me and I'll be healed. Instead, he was given a very simple command. Go wash seven times in the Jordan River and you'll be healed. And he was offended. He thought, how dare, the rivers in my own country are much more holy than those. I, I could wash in them and be healed. But no, he was given one simple command. And it wasn't until those soldiers of his who were under him told him, why don't you just try it? It's a simple thing to do and you might be healed. And he did it, and he was healed. And the centurion, perhaps, having read that story, would have realized, all it takes is a word. Just do what you're told. And he would have thought, all it takes is for Jesus to speak that word, and it will happen. Jesus says it, and it will happen. And he would have realized that God does not pander to our expectations. He doesn't do what we want him to. He was a man who understood who understood what God desired of him. All he wants is faith. And for him, he he trusted Jesus enough to, to say all it takes is one word. No magic, no wand waving or anything like that. No showmanship, no crowds. All he wanted was a servant who would be healed. And it happened like that. There was nothing spectacular. Because, you see, for the average person, for you and me, we'd say, well, seeing is believing. And we like a bit of fuss. We like to... To, you know, if you, if you, for example, you you, you hear a rugby match on, on TV or you go to a rugby match and you hear, you know, Ronan O'Gara scored three points and there's a big shout and a roar because mankind likes the, the fuss about things. We like to know we're special. But for this man, he realized it was not about Jesus making a fuss of him or his servant. It was simply Jesus would heal him. And unlike that man we met last week who just couldn't keep his mouth shut about what Jesus had done for him, and he disobeyed Jesus as a result, this man knew that it was all about Jesus. All about Jesus, not about the centurion, not anything else. It was an act of faith, and all the act of faith required was trust, just faith, do nothing else. The man last week was told to not do something, and he did it disobeyed Jesus. This man was simply told, trust Jesus, and he did. And James in his letter talks about faith at times being active, that faith without deeds is dead, and by that he means that if you truly believe God, you will live accordingly, you will live a holy life and do what's right for God's sake, you'll treat others with love and compassion and kindness. But faith is also active when it's passive. And in this case, all the man need to do was trust Jesus. Jesus spoke, and it was so. And he understood that word that was written perhaps 80 to 100 years later in the book of Hebrews. Later than this, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. Because it's simply trusting in the word of God. Trusting that God has said it and it is so. And as a result, this man with a, a, a true need, had a true faith, and finally he had a true salvation. And the reason I say that is, Jesus commended him. He compared him to the Jews who call themselves the children of Abraham. But their distinction, the Jews around him were descended from Abraham. <clears throat> they, they were by blood, by genetics. They were descended from Abraham, but they didn't share the faith of Abraham, where this man did. And Jesus said people will come from the east and from the west, and they will come to heaven, they will get to heaven before the the citizens of the kingdom, because they have faith. And what God requires is not your your bloodline, your, your birth descent, it is trust in Jesus. Jews will stumble along the way, but all anybody needs, be he Jew or Gentile, is trust in Jesus. And Jesus said, Anyone who comes to me has eternal life. And that's the faith that God requires that we might be saved. The man trusted Jesus. He trusted his word concerning healing his servant. But I believe he trusted Jesus, not just for healing, but he trusted Jesus concerning Jesus' teachings. And Jesus' teachings, Jesus was primarily concerned about spiritual faith. He trusted Jesus concerning his own soul. Jesus commended him as one of great faith, and that faith was concerning his eternal salvation. He was trusting that, having learned about the one true God, through the scriptures, through his experience of knowing God's people, what he had seen, he thought, these are the people I want to be among. Just like Ruth said, your God shall be my God, Your people shall be my people. And so we need to ask ourselves, can Jesus be trusted? And I would answer that, well, if you cannot trust Jesus in this world, is there anyone you can trust? This man had a faith that saves. And I would say to you, do you believe Jesus? Do you take him at his word? Do you trust him more than anyone else in in this world? Because what is faith? It is saying, when God says it is so, then it is so. And even though all of nature would say this cannot be, because, for example, this man was dying and Jesus spoke and he was healed like that, that went against the laws of nature because Jesus said he is healed. And faith is taking Jesus at his word. It is totally being dependent on God, trusting him when all things would cry out. It cannot be that simple. It cannot be you must do something to to please God. You must convince God to save you. And yet, people would say, well, if all Jesus requires of us is faith to be saved, then surely we we could all go to heaven. We all just trust him. There must be more to it than that. But throughout Scripture, it continually speaks to us. It tells us from the time of Abraham through to Jesus that it is all about faith. There is nothing we can do to add to what Jesus has done. Jesus has done it all. Faith is not about what Jesus can do for us, but it is all about who Jesus is and what is our attitude to him. Faith is all about Jesus, and, and and yet so many people come to Jesus for what he can do for them. Again, last week, the man came to Jesus looking for healing, but he wasn't interested in obeying Jesus afterwards. Once he was healed, once his need was filled, he was no longer interested in hearing Jesus Teachings no longer interested in what Jesus had to say. It didn't mean that he didn't believe in Jesus as the Messiah. It didn't mean he didn't believe Jesus as the Son of God or whatever he understood. But he didn't have a saving faith, despite being miraculously healed by him. We say that because he didn't obey Jesus. This man had a far more humble faith, the centurion. And it was an acknowledgement of his own unworthiness and his trust in Jesus to do what he could out of compassion. But faith is always living for Jesus. It's no longer living for yourself. It is saying, I will love the Lord my God with all my heart and soul and mind and strength. It's all about Jesus. I am going to follow Jesus. And I guess to to say, anyone can know they are saved. And, And faith is a gift from God. It is a total gift. It has nothing to do with what you can do, or, or bringing anything to God, or earning your salvation, it is surely a total gift. It, it's like, supposing I, I offer and, and say, here, I'm giving you a gift, it's a pen. Look, it's a special pen, it's, it's yeah, this colour, and it's blue, and it's, it's really precious to you. you. You'd really like this pen, and I want to give it to you as a gift. And it's got your name engraved on it, and it's specially chosen for you in mind. And then you receive it, or perhaps we reverse it, and, and you're giving it to me. And I receive it, I admire it, I say, wow, that, that's really special. That's, yeah, that, that must have cost you a fortune, that pen. Let me give you a little gift towards it. Let, look, I can't, I couldn't possibly allow you to, to give me this gift. I, I want to give you something. It's offensive to you, you'll say, but no, it's a gift. I want to show it's an expression of how much I care about you. And if I say, "I oh, no, look, let, let, me, let me give you some money towards it. It is offensive to the giver to offer to pay for the gift that we receive. And in, in the same way, when God gives the free gift of salvation, and it is utterly free, when he offers it, it means it is free. There are no strings attached. There is nothing we can do to earn our salvation. It is a free gift from God. He would be saying to God, I will not accept your kindness. I do not believe you love me that much that you simply want to give me this free gift despite what you say, despite what your word says that it's free. I simply want you to take this, just just earn something. God says no, it is a free gift and faith is taking Jesus at his word. Yet when mankind says I want to try and and earn my way to heaven, it is saying we are refusing to accept God's free gift of grace, of eternal life through the death of Jesus at Calvary. It is saying to God, I do not believe that you love me that much, that you're willing to give it to me for nothing, this free gift of salvation. I do not believe that what Jesus did is good enough to save me. I have something of value, surely, that I can give you. And it's the trick of the devil That causes us to think such things. Because God is a good God. He loves us and he offers the free gift. And all he requires is that we take him at his word. Just as the centurion took Jesus at his word. And said, if you say it Jesus it is true. In the same way for you and for me. It is a free gift of salvation. And this story is is not too different from many stories that we read in the scriptures and it is all about faith in Jesus faith is trusting Jesus and taking that free gift whether it be a pen that we offer each other and say i won't offer you anything because you're giving it to me out of love in the same way when god says all who come to him have free eternal life it is the gift of god may god bless his word to us may God bless us through the coming week. Thank you all for listening. Amen.
2: You will change the
0: Good morning. Uh, Great to have you here again, just to say uh, thank you for uh, tuning in. If you're watching in from uh, Facebook or our website or YouTube, it's great to have you here. Um, One day we'll be able to get all of the comments uh, together. Uh, Even the comments uh, coming from YouTube, we'll, we'll be able to put them all together and put them up on the screen. For now, we'll continue our conversation um, here on Facebook Live uh, from the living room. It was funny, you know, uh, listening to Brendan uh, chatting away there, um, saying that he was on the on the third take or something like that. And so, uh, Brendan, welcome, welcome to my world. <laughs> uh, that's sometimes what it's like, except when you're live, you don't get three um, takes, unfortunately. That's why it looks like I'm all comfortable in my living room right now, which I am, um, but I have two doors into this room and both doors are securely locked uh, because I do not want to end up being that uh, BBC guy uh, that we're all so familiar with. Um, So uh, take this opportunity again to say hi, maybe give your thoughts and your reflections. Um, I'll just give a couple of thoughts as you take your time to do that and maybe share some verses and and I'd like to um, say hi to you uh, during this time as well. Uh, Brendan was, was saying um, with the centurion, he, he, he was a man of, of, of great faith. And so he went to Jesus and he said to him, listen, you just say the word. You just say the word. And that's the amazing thing about Jesus. All he needs to do is say a word and it is done. All he needed to do was say a word and the servant would be healed. All he needed to do was say, say a word and the storm would be camped. All he needed to do was say the word, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus rose from the dead. And when, he, when Jesus had rose from the dead, all he needed to do was say that word to Mary. Mary. And she believed. Rabona. What Jesus needs to do is say the word and it is done. We can trust in him by faith today. And I hope that you know that Jesus' words, they are absolutely and totally trustworthy for us. A great, great thought it gave us truth, God's word, um, true faith shown by the centurion. So let us uh, think through some of these uh, comments and thoughts that you have together. Again, if you are watching on YouTube, um, hello to you. Sorry, I can't get your your comments up. And from the website, um, I know that some of you are watching there as well. Uh, Please do also take the opportunity to share some of this as well with your friends I've been told this morning that I need to say hello to my family. So um, you can see Shane and Luana there, the comment. Good morning from Luana, Talitha, Simeon and Dahlia. Good morning to all of you guys. Dahlia, during the service, drew me a nice little uh, picture here. It's a very good picture, Dahlia. Thank you for drawing it. Um, she was drawing during the service. And I don't know if you'll notice, but... It's a, it's a stickman figure of all our family. And you might notice in that picture, everybody in the family has hair, except for one person, and that's Daddy. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, that's going to be my stickman uh, picture for the rest of my life, I'm afraid. So there you go. Uh, so thank you, Dahlia, for drawing that. If any of the kids are watching in, do take the time to draw. Maybe you're watching your video as well. Uh, that we send out to you each week, so hopefully you guys enjoy that. Good morning uh, to the Keatings. Steve Keating says good morning. Um, Steve has literally just moved house into Passage, so you're welcome here. Are now our neighbours. Um, An amazing, like literally just moved house this week, and is doing all uh, the behind the scenes uh, work for the service. So so thank you, um, Steve, for doing that. Uh, Good morning, Jeddah and the family. Uh, Good to have you. Uh, Myra, good to have you as well. Uh, Great to have you guys here this morning. Uh, Maro, Eliana, Anna and Mariana, great to have you guys. Good morning to you all. Hope you're all keeping well. Um, And Jason and the family, uh, wonderful to have you guys here with us this morning. Miss you guys, miss seeing you, Um, hopefully when these restrictions um lift fully we'll be able to gather again and see each other again and enjoy uh, one another's company Uh, valerie says good morning as well thank you valerie for uh, looking after the kids while steve is managing things uh good morning dad great to see you uh soraya uh wonderful um uh, to see you here as well um and have you here bridge great to have you uh thank you for joining us Um, It was wonderful to hear your testimony the other night. Thank you for sharing that uh, with us. It is amazing how Jesus changes lives. Praise his name for that. Uh, The Duans, great to see you. Great to have you. Hope the little man, Mateo, slept well (laughs) Um, in the morning. Claire, uh, good to have you. Um, Rosie, wonderful that you could join us this morning. Thank you uh, for coming and joining us. Hope you enjoyed the service. Robert from Money More. Great to have you, and, and Joyce as well, uh, listening from Banger. Thanks for coming and, and joining and visiting us today this morning, guys. Um, so Matthew 8.13, Steve Keating quotes. Matthew 8.13, it says this. And to the centurion, Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. All Jesus requires is faith. We are healed the very moment we believe. Amen. That very moment he was healed. um, Jesus didn't even need to go to the servant. All he needed to do was say a word and it was done. What power in that. And so you might be thinking to yourself, you know, um, I'm not good enough for Jesus. Jesus can't clean my heart. He can't create in me a, a new heart, a clean heart, as you were saying earlier, Shane. Yes, he can. All he needs to do is say the word and it will be done. And so we praise his name for that. Jeddah writes, praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen to that. Um, Andrew writes later on, uh, the amazing gift that is free to us but cost God everything. It is amazing when you think of the cost of sending his one and only son to die on the cross for us, that we could be set free. We get a free gift, but at the cost of Jesus' very own son. Roxy O'Brien uh, writes um, in John 6:28. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God that you would believe in him who he has sent. As Brendan was talking, you know, it can be offensive if you try and, and repay uh, these gifts and so, or repay gifts. And so we have this gift of faith and everybody is always trying to ask, well, what shall we do? What is the work that we need to do? All you need to do is believe and it is enough. And the very moment you believe and trust in Jesus, it is enough. And so you need to know that uh, this morning. Tom writes, um, Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. All you need to do is come to Jesus. He is not asking you to work for your salvation. All you need to do is come and trust in him. It's amazing we do these readings um, from uh, Charles Spurgeon every every morning. So I sent out, sent out a recording of of me reading uh, one of his devotions, and I give a few comments on it, and he was talking again about the thief on the cross, and he said the thief on the cross, the moment he believed was the moment he was justified, and so then he compared the thief on the cross to Paul and and Paul's later works of evangelism and, and works for the Lord, and yet Yet, what Spurgeon was saying is that the moment the thief on the cross believed, he was as justified as every believer on this planet is justified. No more and no less. Completely and totally justified. Not on the basis of what he had done, but on the basis of faith. And so if we believe and trust in him, we can be as justified as anyone else who trusts in him. Myra writes, what a great faith from the centurion, the fact that he is not even an Israelite. And I love that point as well, that this Gentile believes and trusts in Jesus. And just um, coming off that point, uh, believing and trusting in Jesus, I was thinking of that reality that Brendan was saying, you know, um, Jews and Gentiles. And really what it, what it brings about is it doesn't matter. What Jesus is saying to him is it doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter the way you look. All that matters is faith and trust in Jesus. Those things don't matter. The background doesn't matter. What it is, is always faith in Jesus. Abraham believed by faith, um, Genesis 15, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Believe by faith and it was credited to him as righteousness. Rosie writes, thanks for sharing such nice words. Have a nice Sunday. I really appreciate those who sing such beautiful songs. Thank you for saying that, Rosie. They um, put a lot of work into these um, songs. So thank you, Abby and Andrew, for doing that every week and and serving us so well. It it means a lot to us that you would do that. So thank you um, for doing that. Let me just finish uh, this time um, with just one quote from Brendan as we close. Uh, the quote was simply this. When God says it is so, then it is so. When God says it is so, then it is so. Jesus only needs say a word. And we can totally believe and trust in him often people say words to us don't they in this life and we never really know can we fully trust every word that anybody says even the people that we love the most sometimes their words are tainted um, with kind of half truths but jesus when he says a word it is done and it can be trusted And so let us trust in Jesus today. Trust him at his his word and believe in him. I hope and pray that you have a wonderful Lord's Day. Let me pray with us to close our service this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word and the power of your word. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you met with people in this world as we've been going through this series. And you met with the centurion. And he believed and trusted in you by faith. And I pray, Lord, that each and every one of us, whether young or old, might simply have that simple faith and belief and trust in Jesus this morning. He only need say a word. Lord, may we enjoy this Lord's Day as to you alone. May we go on our walks for the glory of your name. May we eat and drink for the glory of your name. Everything we do, whether we eat or drink, For the glory of your name, we pray these things. Amen. Hope you guys have a wonderful, wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you. Have a great day. See you later.